The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are going to talk about the hope springs eternal for Christian Yelich after a big performance against Pittsburgh Pirates. We will also do the edge rushers with Murph, talk through you know what to look for for the edge position and the Green Bay Packers in this year's draft. Then we'll do a little bit of NBA playoff observations from Monday night as a Bucks fan. Um, so Bucks fans' observation of the NBA playoffs. And then lastly, we will have a Chuck's Corner on getting a haircut and why working from home plus the pandemic have impacted that sort of thing um, here and there. All right, but before we do, you know where to find us on social media, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg Sports on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. That was the other one. Uh, So follow us there, follow us on all of them, follow us on one of them. We'd really appreciate the support. We'd also appreciate the support if you rate and review, if you've already subscribed to the podcast. You can do that on Apple, you can do that on Spotify. I'm sure you can do that on other, other podcast platforms as well. If you're not subscribed, you're new to the program, you're giving us kind of a test drive, hopefully you do subscribe. Uh, We are available everywhere. All right, let's talk about Hope, Christian Yelich, and maybe the return to greatness. Hope is something you always have as a sports fan. I don't think you ever give up hope, okay? Even if you're a pessimist, even if you're somebody who is more of a negative sports fan, you're always going to have hope in your bones. You're always going to have it in your heart. You're always going to have it in your head. Maybe not in your head, but your heart will always have hope. That's what we do as sports fans. Just like we all hope that the Green Bay Packers are going to get back to the Super Bowl, that every year you ask yourself, why do I do this? Why do I put myself through the pain? Because there's that one chance that you might see a return to glory. You might see the Packers finally finish. Look at what's happening with the Golden State Warriors right now. They're up 20 points on the Denver Nuggets. Hope, probably will win. I should say hopefully because I bet on them. But I, I think that then they will win that game. And I think everybody hopes that the Warriors are back to what they used to be. And they look like it. They look like another version, another iteration of the dynasty that we saw rule the NBA in the latter part of the 2010s. We'll get to the Warriors and the NBA observations as a Bucks fan later in the show. But I do want people to understand that hope is a thing that we all carry in our hearts with sports fans. And Christian Yelich is a guy who I think we all hoped would come back. Christian Yelich was incredible in 2018 and 2019, winning an MVP and nearly going back to back. Then the pandemic year, it completely changed for Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich was not the same player. He completely careened and fell off the face of this earth. Now, who knows if it was the pandemic? Who knows if it was the lack of video? There are a lot of stories that could be told about why Christian Yelich struggled. Then in 2021, it was much of the same. Yelich didn't really find his glory, and he took it really hard on himself. He's still taking it hard on himself. There was a moment with Adam McKelvey, who took the picture of it, where Yelich was signing a print, I think, of him against the Cincinnati Reds, which was a 4th of July day game where Yelich was like on fire. If you remember that July of 2019, Yelich, Yelich could not be fucked with right at that point. Yelich was playing such good baseball. And Yelich said, that's when I used to be good. And it kind of breaks your heart, right? It kind of breaks your heart that this guy thinks he can't find it again. And seeing that grand slam, seeing that ball get hit 109 miles an hour off the, off the bat, is something that tells you that maybe Christian Yelich can come back, right? We've had moments where it might happen. We don't know yet. 
if Christian Yelich is going to come back. We can overreact. We can be excited about tonight. But we have no idea if it's actually going to come back or not. We just hope that maybe this is the start of another MVP year for Christian Yelich. It would be welcomed. It would be appreciated. It would be loved. I think the city loves Christian Yelich. I think the city wants to put Christian Yelich back in its arms and embrace him like they do Giannis Antetokounmpo, like they do Aaron Rodgers. And they want to see Yelich return to greatness. And he can't. He's good enough. He's young enough. It's not like Christian Yelich is washed. All right? I never believe that for a second. And that's the thing about hope. You don't believe your heroes are washed, right? You don't believe the guys that you root for are inherently washed. I don't think anybody gave up on Aaron Rodgers after two rough years in 2018 and 2019. And then Aaron Rodgers came through like a ball of fucking fire in 2020 and then in 2021 again. And I don't think anything is going to stop Aaron Rodgers from being that same great quarterback in 2022. So yes, Christian Yelich can return to glory. And maybe this is the start of it. And I, I've been seeing signs. I told the guys last week on Tabbing the Keg. I was like, look, Christian Yelich to me is playing better baseball. Christian Yelich is showing that he can be something a little bit more than what we saw in 2021. And especially in what we saw in 2020. And that is the crazy thing about hope. That you will believe that this is the time. This is the moment for Christian Yelich to be great. And I, I think he can do it. And so we'll see if Yelich continues on that path or if it's like a lot of other things where hope kind of runs out and that hope that you have will only be only be temporary and you still wait. And the good news about baseball is there's a lot left to be played. So even if Christian Yelich, this is a blip on the radar, even if this is a blip on the radar, I imagine that we will hear from Christian Yelich again. Other quick thoughts on the Brewers win against the Pirates. Um, obviously, Yelich is the one thing I liked. Um, Eric Lauer was another thing I really liked from this game. Eric Lauer deserves a lot of credit. He's been really good for the Brewers. Uh, he went six innings, five hits allowed, only one run, which was a home run. So really, for the second straight start for Eric Lauer, he's had one bad batter. And that's it. The Cedric Mullins Grand Slam in his first start. And then what he had against Diego Castillo in this one. Kurt Hogg had this, which I thought was really interesting that I don't think a lot of people would realize if you're talking about Eric Lauer. Including tonight, the most starts with five innings pitched, one run or fewer since June 27th of last season. Corbin Burns and Julio Urias with 11. Walker Bueller. Robbie Ray, Eric Lauer with 10. If you don't know Robbie Ray, I believe won a Cy Young uh, last year or he came damn close. Julio Urias won 20 games. Walker Bueller was dominant. Corbin Burns, you know, won a Cy Young. I mean, these are all top flight pitchers. And right now, Eric Lauer is our fifth guy. That that says a lot about where the pitcher, the Brewers are with their pitching staff. And Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser are not giving up their spots to Aaron Ashby anytime soon. And I'm actually really curious if Freddie Peralta gets put on a little bit of the hot seat. I mean, it's way too early to wonder that, but man, oh man, I don't know. I think Ashby has done a lot that puts puts him into the conversation that maybe he should be starting over Peralta. But I don't think we're there just yet. But as for, as for Lauer, he is an underrated part of the Brewers. I think he might be the most underrated player that the Brewers do have on their roster. I think so much is made that the Brewers don't spend money or they don't have homegrown talent. 
And I think a lot of guys like Lauer get lost in the shuffle. And people forget these guys are available. And Lauer can be a real factor for the Brewers all season. So I really like what the Brewers have done development-wise with Eric Lauer. They deserve a ton of credit. He was broken when he came here from San Diego. And they have fixed him. And he is now a legitimate starter for this team. And I think for a lot of teams, he would be their second to... Second to fourth guy in the rotation. I think in a good team like the Brewers, he's four or five. But on a bad team, he's probably two. He might even be a ace, quote-unquote. I use that term loosely. On a bad team like a Cincinnati or a Pittsburgh, right? So really good stuff from Eric Lauer. He deserved a mention here uh, before we wrap up with our Brewers segment. One thing I didn't like in this game... There wasn't a lot to not like. The middle of the order kind of stunk uh, tonight, so we'll go with that. Um, eight, McCutcheon, Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro all went 0-4 tonight. It was really about the bottom of the order and the top of the order. Uh, Willie Adamas, Colton Long, Yelich all had runs scored. Uh, and so it was really the those guys that made it happen. The middle of the order was not good tonight. Um, McCutcheon had a tough swing. They really could have done some damage in the first inning. Couldn't get it done with McCutcheon or Telez. Hunter Renfro continues to struggle. Hopefully he'll figure it out. Um, I don't know if it's just the AL to NL. I don't know if it's the new you know home, whatever it may be. Hopefully Hunter Renfro figures it out in the near future. Because once he gets going, I think you could really see some special stuff for the Brewers. I do also wonder... If the Brewers will interchange, you know, Tyrone Taylor, Lorenzo Cain, Andrew McCutcheon to kind of sort of give Hunter Renfro a little more time off and sort of make sure that he's not putting too much pressure on himself. So all in all, though, really good game for the Brewers. You have Burns against Brubaker tomorrow. I think Brubaker did well against the Brewers last year, but I mean, Corbin Burns should dominate that game. The Brewers will probably be like minus two oh, they're minus two fifty favorites. That's crazy. Uh, let's see what Brubaker did against the Brewers last year. Let's look at his bat first pitch. Yeah, Brewers hit him pretty hard. Uh, they are, they've bat a career 283 against him for the guys that are on the Brewers roster. Home runs from Adamas. Victor Carantini is actually 4 for 8, so I wouldn't be surprised if Carantini gets an odd. Jace Peterson has a home run against him, and your boy Christian Yelich also has a home run against him. So going back to the topic to start, maybe Yelich can keep it going, and maybe that hot streak can continue. All right, let's move on to Nolan Murphy and talk about the edge rushers, a position of potential need for the Green Bay Packers, a position that I think people have mocked different guys to, whether it be in the first round, second round, or in day three. We talk about that. We also talk about the interior linemen. Uh, so a lot of Travis Jones talking there, some Jordan Davis conversation as well. Um, I know we talked about Jordan Davis last week on Tabbing the Keg, so there might be a little bit of a crossover there, but I think you guys will enjoy our conversation about the edge and the interior. So let's run that now. Want to thank Murph again for doing this. He will have one more of these, uh, the safeties and the middle linebackers, which we will think do tomorrow as long as Mitch and I aren't doing a tapping the keg. If we are, then we'll bump Murph back to uh, Friday uh, after the Bucks bulls recap that we'll have, obviously, for Thursday's show. So stay tuned for that, um, but I would imagine we're going to go Murph tomorrow um, and then wrap it up. And then we'll do a full podcast. So you'll have all four segments right there for you. If you are a draft head, if you're a Murph guy, you'll basically have a full version versus the segments um, for your listening pleasure. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. We are back with yet another edition of Murph's Draft Manifesto. Nolan Murphy here with me. 
at Murphy on Twitter and Instagram. You can hear him there. Not hear him. See his his thoughts, his feelings. Occasional about the, tweets these occasional days. Occasional tweets. Mostly, mostly just Packers, golf. Maybe some, you know, as we get into a Bucks and other uh, championship. Yeah, you got it. You hop on the bandwagon. Your boy LeBron, yeah, not here. I've been on the bandwagon all year. I've been know, a number of Bucks games. I've been on the hardwood a couple times. So. I just, I just like giving. You know, I just have to rustle your cage. Yeah, do I watch on Valley Sports? No, it's a shitty fucking platform. So I <laughs> Don't listen, get. Yeah, I listen to the Bucks radio network. Mur- Murph could do a full pot. We could do a full Valley Sports podcast if we if we wanted to. Uh, but we are talking about edge rushers, a position of I would say. Pretty neat. Uh, I would, where would you put it on the need scale? Would you be like at the receiver level? Would you put it at the lineman level? No, I think it's tier one lineman and receivers, and then I think tier two is a front seven guy. Okay. I had actually, you know, and we're going to do linebackers separate here. Yeah. We'll do edge rushers and probably defensive interior sure. linemen. Yeah. Uh, but I do think a front seven impact guy. I love that we re signed, uh, you know, Dre Campbell. Yeah. Um, but uh, we just. We have not had an impact linebacker in a long time that can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Roquan Smith. You know, so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think it's a need in the front seven. I think we do not have enough defensive playmakers in the front seven right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's get Kenny Clark some help. I mean, really, that's the that's the goal. Get it's him like, off the double teams. How I do don't we, want to get double teams on Rashawn Gary. How do we get Kenny Clark some help? Can Rashawn Gary, is it not a flash in a pan? Is can it he, legit? Can he become TJ Watt? Right. I mean, he's is, a freak. Yeah. Is it legit? Is this the next great defensive edge rusher? And if it is, great. He'll get but another contract. You still need to rotate guys. You still need to keep guys. And that's what the Packers and have done for years. what are we getting years. out of Preston Smith? Is he going to be, right. be 2020 uh, Preston Smith or 2021? Yeah, I think that's I mean, I mean, think that's the a great question. And you start with the edge rusher and... I think it's a, a thing that they could draft in the first round. Like, I don't think it's out of the question that they wouldn't draft an edge rusher. So let me ask you, let's start here. If George Karlfatis, I've tried, I think I did well in the Greek name there. If George falls to 22, are you drafting him? I don't love George. What is your, you know, kind of purview on him for watching I, a lot of Big Ten? I, I like him. I, he's always he's always involved. He, you know, and like Big Ten lineman scared Ryan, me. Ryan, Ryan Kerrigan, though. Yeah, but, but Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan was a fucking awesome red edge rusher. And he's in the Preston Smith territory. Is he's not uh, an All Pro Pro Bowler, but he is a consistent yeah. starter. Now, can he put his hand down? I don't know. I don't think so. So that's I think what worries he's... me. I think we actually need somebody to put their hand down in an interior wise, um, but because I don't know if an edge is going to get on the field right away. So yes, and, and that's true. And you know, I think there are a lot of guys that are interesting. And where you ask yourself, hey, is that guy just a workout warrior like Bo Mafe from, from Minnesota? From Minnesota, is, is he, he just Kiki a Mingo? Or, yeah, yeah, right. Is he just a workout warrior? Is he a guy that? Is basically all of it's based on how well he's done workout wise, or can he actually be an impact player? I mean, he's massive. Like he's 6'4, 263. Like that's really good size. You really have played against legitimate linemen with playing against, you know, the Big Ten and things like that. So I, I understand what you're saying about Big Ten speed, but you also have to imagine they're facing off against we just did a lineman podcast about how valuable Big Ten linemen are, and that's the guys they're going up against and succeeding against and winning against. So that proves off for Aiden Hutchinson. We're not drafting Aiden Hutchinson. No, 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 you no. Know, we're not drafting Kayvon Thibodeau. Those guys will not be there. No. We're not moving up for them. 
No, yeah. You, and you, I guess if Kayvon Thibodeau has some really off-the-field concerns and he starts dropping, that would be a big draft day storyline of a guy that you're in yes. you know, hour two, he's in the green room still. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So I definitely think that there are some edge opportunities there. Um, do you have a guy that you're targeting? A guy I like Trayvon Walker a lot. Um, if he's there, I don't think he will no. be. Um, you know, it's a bummer on David Ojabo. Uh, yes. He tore the Achilles. I think that would make Packer fans pretty upset if we took a guy that's basically going to have a redshirt year. Yeah, I don't think the Packers are in that position to get a guy with a redshirt year. I think that's a thing that a team like the Jets maybe do or a team, you know, where the it's Lions, like the like Lions in a compensation used... pick where the Lions... Or the Texans. They're not yeah, Texans, there you go. Like, late second round or uh, early, third, think, early third. I think he'll be an early second round pick still. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this just is based on there. The, yeah. For a team that doesn't have a bright future at the moment. Right. Um, but, I, do, I mean, there are a couple edge guys I do like. Uh, I like Jer- uh, Jeffrey Gunter from Coastal Carolina. Um, I really like Dominique Robinson. My favorite day two edge rusher is actually Drake Jackson. He a, lot a lot of Drake Jackson a lot smoke of Preston, has been. A lot of Preston Smith vibes. Former five-star recruit. Played really well at USC. I watched some tape of him, you know, kind of in this process of figuring out guys I like. I love the name Drake Jackson. I like USC. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's, linemen. Yeah, um, we have had some success there. In the past. So he's a guy. I don't think this is a day one need unless somebody falls to us at edge-wise. I actually think the interior is a little bit more uh, of. So we can we can move there. What about, you know Travis Jones? I think is the name that has been kind of coming off the UConn kid. Yes, not a lot of UConn guys have been good at football <laughs> no, over the years. No. Byron Jones is one of them yes. that comes to mind. There was the running back that I can't even think of that was. In oh, uh, Donald Donald Brown. Donald Brown was a successful NFL run, line, uh, running back for the Colts. Uh, I like Devion Watt uh, again, a Georgia guy. He's someone that I think could really help the Packers out. Um, you know, we did sign um, J. Ron Reed. He is going to be hopefully a starter for the Packers and help out Kenny Clark. It looks like Tyler Lannister will not come down, come back. Jordan Davis. Okay. I mean, he loses all yes, the weight. Let's talk about it. He was probably the most popular defensive player last year in college football. Yes. Other than People Kyle talked Hamilton. about for Heisman. Like, there was a real question. And, you know, when he did his draft day thing, I was out in the Shamrock Shuffle texting you like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. Like, and I, I kind of sneaky thought, okay, Jordan Davis, maybe he's a guy we get at 22. And then I listened to Todd McShay talk about basically this is the best shape of he's in his life, and this is the problem. Like he needs to stay at 340, and he always seems to balloon to 360. Mm-hmm. So if the Packers are convinced, is this a Mount Cody issue? Right. If the Packers are convinced that they can keep him at his weight, and they convince that. With the strength and conditioning team, they have a plan in place, and that Davis is willing to get on that plan. Then we could put Kenny Clark. Oh my at God! The, at that I outside mean, lineman the position, amount, and the, the amount of sack opportunities is endless. And it's if gonna you're going to pay Kenny Clark that way, you have to put him at a position to make plays. Sure, but I still think Kenny Clark makes plays in the middle. I'd push back on that to say like Kenny Clark still makes an impact, even if yeah, he's he, not making sacks. He does sacks. disrupt plays all the he's, time. Yeah. He frees up things for Rashawn Gary, but. I look at interior linemen almost as a better first-round need for us um, if someone's there or early second. You know, right. We're able to package some of those twos together to move up or the Raiders pick. Right. I do not like DeMarvin Leal. I think I understand he goes to that Murph philosophy of a fifth round or a five-star guy. He kind of has the Rashawn Gary stuff in him where he is a freak. He's really good. He was really good, but he had a lot of off-the-field stuff. He never seemed to want to play. And, like, I don't know. Those guys give me kind of the heebie-jeebies. Like, I just feel like you're you're asking a lot from, from that kind of guy. What about Haskell Garrett from Ohio State? He had seven sacks in two years. 
a productive guy in the Big Ten. I like Ohio State defensive linemen. Um, you know, it's a blue blood program. It's something you I hate when we miss on Big Ten players. Yeah, you just you worry a little bit about just is he experienced enough to step in right away? Yeah, right. He's two year guy. Slayton really wasn't able to play a lot last no. year out of Florida. Right, and he came he, on a little bit late. He had yeah. some impactful games, but nothing of note. And you know that I don't know who we're, who's going to be our third starting third starting defensive lineman right now. Yes, exactly. And so whether and it might be Jaron Reed, but if if it's not Jaron Reed, then what what are you going with? Is it going to be one of those guys? You know, could you look at a you know more of the SEC Logan Hall? Oh, oh. <laughs> a little, watching some Haskell Garrett. There, Haskell Garrett. Right there. Yeah, no. Um, you know there. There are some SEC guys, you know, Fladarian Mathis from Alabama. Zachary that just checks Carter. my box as an Alabama guy. Right. Like, Zachary Carter from Florida, who was Slayton was also from Florida and stuff like that. It'll be interesting. Um, it, it is, though, something. I like Travis Jones. He's been mocked to us for a long time, I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of smoke there. Yeah, we'll some people, someone knows something where those guys can get mocked. Are there any players where you look at it and you're like, Okay, that guy we've talked about with the teams, whether it be the Vi- we'll just say Vikings and Lions, since the Bears don't have a lot of draft capital. If the Lions were to get Hutchinson, if say the the Jaguars don't get him, do you I, think- I think that's it. I actually do think it's too much of a Campbell pick, and he actually sells a lot of tickets yes. know, because of the Michigan connection. Right. I, I don't. I see him being a productive guy. I don't think he pans out as the you know number two overall pick. But you know they may feel that he you know trade. I think they should pick Trayvon Walker or an offensive lineman. Um, I don't know if they will. They might pick Malik Willis. Jermaine Johnson is an interesting guy out of Florida State. Um, it's you know I'm sure we'll get a lot of Jamal Reynolds vibes from back in the day. <laughs> yes. The first ever Packer I correctly selected uh, in 2000 2001 <laughs> whenever forget. that was at, at a young age. Uh, Oklahoma guy, uh, Nick Bonito, he's interesting. Kinsley in, uh, in God Barry is interesting out of South Carolina, back to the edge position, as well as, you know, uh, Aaron E.B. Kite from Penn State. Penn State seems like a factory. So now. that's a I So going to Penn State, remember, Owe, uh, and now it's Ofa Owe, I think it was Jason Owe when he started. He was a guy that we talked, I think we talked about I on the podcast. I thought he was too skinny. Like, yeah, no with, too, too skinny. Rashawn Gary is shooting. Yeah, guys. exactly. And didn't do a lot. And then he was awesome. First year, and the Ravens system is the Ravens, and they produce edge rushers like it's their business. But you have to at least consider what Penn State has been putting out from a pass rush perspective, and at least consider it, and and know that like they're obviously James doing Franklin something has right. It out, it seems right, like. exactly, and that to me would be a, a good point in the right direction. Is there anybody deep in this draft? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. You know, like these guys. Like Myron Tugavaloa Amsoa from Notre Dame. Again, that's Jeffrey the, Gunter from Coast Carolina is going to be a day three pick. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that I would look at as an edge development guy. Kind of be what we thought we had with Jonathan Garvin, who I believe is still on the team. Yeah, Garvin's still there. Uh, Kinsley Kiki, no longer a Packer. He was yeah. a late cut last year. Uh, right. Some off-the-field issues, it seemed yeah, like. Did, did not seem did not seem right uh, that there was anything going on there with Kinsley Kike. Sam Williams from Old Miss, another guy, third third day SEC, you know, can get to the quarterback. I, I like that senior. I think that matters. Like I, I really do think experience is going to matter for the Green Bay Packers because they're in win now. So that's where the, going back to Haskins Garrett. I wonder if they, if they're going to not necessarily go after those guys who need time to develop that. And that also goes back to our first podcast with Christian Watson. It's like. Packers don't have time. 
Like that's that should be the thing that a lot of people. He's DJ Dale, a guy you look at that someone can play A and B gap from Alabama and just say, hey, this guy was uh, you know obviously played a lot of snaps at Alabama. You know, played over uh, you know over 350 snaps the last two years yes. for a great Alabama sure. defense. Sure. Absolutely, I'll take a flyer on him in day three. Right, exactly. Um, you know, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati might be too skinny at 248. Yeah, he looked like a linebacker at, two, <laughs> at the combine. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, and at the Senior Bowl, he was a skinny guy. I thought. Yeah, you you would need to put on some weight again. That could be a guy you don't have time to wait for. You don't have time to wait and and make sure that it happens. Uh, and then Cameron Thomas from. San Diego State, who a little bigger, 267. But, again, uh, Mountain West, who are you really facing in the Mountain West from a lineman perspective? That sounds like a project to me. Exactly, yeah. It's, you you, you got to be careful with this. I think edge rusher is a type of position where... It's like drafting a, a number three in the NBA right now. Are they going to be a tweener or are they going to be a 3 and D guy? It's always tough to figure out. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good comparison, honestly, because it's 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 very similar. It's... It's like, what are you getting? Are you getting just a complete pass rusher or a guy that can do more? Like, I, I, it's in the archives. You can find it. I was not a TJ Watt guy. I thought TJ Watt was going to be trash, really. I didn't understand why people, I thought it was just a Badger thing. Everybody wanted TJ Watt to be a Packer because of the Badger connection. And I was like, all this guy does is bull rush. That's all he does. He has no moves. He has, yeah, exactly. He has no moves. I even have a blog article where I said I would take Vince Beagle over TJ Watt. How did that work out? Did yeah. not work out well, Murph. But I mean, I also thought Adam Gase would be a great coach for the backers. So, yeah, we don't need them all. What are you, what are you going to do? There's a reason I have two rejection letters from NFL GMs <laughs> for a reason uh, on my desk. So, uh, we are not experts by any means, but I, I do feel like we have a pretty good idea. You know, thirty years into this. Oh yeah, we. I mean, there's season. our there's our, our guys. We always tend to say like, all right, that's a guy. Like if Travis Jones goes to the Vikings or Travis Jones goes to the Bears or goes and they to might, the Vikings might need that. Michael right. Pierce no longer on the team. Right. So. Yeah, and then we're texting. Well, probably not because you're in Mexico, but we're at least recapping the next week, and we're like, fuck, he went to the Vikings, and you know that that happens, and I and it's just part of the draft process. So. It's an interesting draft. I don't think it's as deep as like when we talk about linemen and receivers. Like it's not like feel like there's a bottom there, and it's not. It, well, there it becomes just a developmental. Edge. Right, exactly, and so it's not as not as thrilling, I think, as as other positions, and not but, as sexy. You know, like, no, we do need defensive help. I think there's a, it's actually caused us to lose a lot of games not being able to consistently get to the quarterback. You look at some of these defensive lines that have won yeah. Super Bowls of like the Bucks, you know, the Rams, it felt like they just kept having guys come in. Yeah, it was some random dude just came coming coming in and making and plays. And we haven't had that in a no. long time from a depth you know perspective. We could never get to Darius, Preston, and Rashawn Gary really on the field a lot together. Right. Um, you know, when they were all healthy in twenty twenty. So they, Yeah, and and Zadarius is also a guy who I don't think anyone's gonna miss him. No, I he wasn't think... a culture guy. He's a guy that no. got the captain he, coach tattooed he, on him. Yeah, he's a fucking me guy. Yeah, he and... wanted to get paid again and we weren't willing to pay him. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think what Preston Smith did showing up to be a leader last year was really impressive. Um and, you know, it'll be interesting how Goody adds to, you know, let's say the, the front five, um, and we can get to it, you know, in the next episode of you know, linebackers. I, I think something linebackers and safeties where we do need some impact still. So. For sure. Absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to that. Thank you, Murph, for again. Another another one in the books, and we'll uh, be back for the last one. Unless you want to do kickers. Just kidding. Can we draft the San Diego State punter? <laughs> I, okay. Well, maybe we'll save that for uh, another time. Okay, we're going to do a little bit of a new segment, NBA playoff observations as a Bucks fan. There were two games out of the West. 
Um, so we won't do a ton of takes on those. We'll obviously do a lot on the Philly-Toronto game. Uh, Philly steamrolled the Raptors again. We thought we were going to have a close game after the first quarter, but the Raptors sort of ran out of gas from there. They only scored 19 points in quarter number two and quarter number three, uh, so that was not good uh, for Toronto. Actually, the worst thing that happened to them was Fred Van Vliet getting hot in the first quarter. Uh, he was 4-6 of six from behind the arc. He finished the game 5 of 17, 5 of six, 17 or 5 of 16 from beyond the arc, which is really rough. That That's not going to win you a lot of basketball games. Uh, so Van Vliet was pretty trash. And it really was could be said for most of the Raptors. They did not get a ton from their guys. OG Ananobi had a great game, uh, 26 points and 10 of 14 shooting. But that was about it. They had no answer for Embiid again. Uh, Embiid took Siakam's lunch. Uh, 31 and 11 for Joel tonight. Another good maxi game. He did hurt his elbow late, but I, I don't think... It should affect him too much. He nearly goes off for a triple-double, uh, 23-9-8, and eight, and has kind of let James Harden sort of hang out in the background. Harden did have a plus-17 PER, but he only scored 14 points on three made baskets. He made a bunch of free throws like he usually does. So it let sort of James Harden hang out in the background, but I'm not ready to sell myself on Philly being a legit contender for the title. These are two good games. I need to see them on the road. I need to see how they travel. I don't believe that Doc Rivers is a guy who can carry a team through multiple rounds of the playoffs. He's puked on his shoes more times than I can remember. Um, I think what he's done so far has been impressive, but I just think Philly's the better team. And maybe Toronto, someone described, I think it was Kyle Mann described Toronto as sort of that scrappy underdog, the mid-major. And that's kind of what they're looking like. Toronto's looking like a Loyola Chicago. They're not necessarily looking like a blue blood. They're not in the same class as Philadelphia. Even though they are a five seed, Toronto might be one of the least talented playoff teams. And if you look at like Atlanta, right? Let's just say Atlanta and Philly was the matchup. I would argue Atlanta is more talented one to eight than Toronto is. And Toronto having guys out, not having Scotty Barnes, not having Gary Trent, it really puts them at a disadvantage. I think I discounted that. I bet on Toronto tonight. It was not a good bet. Um, and... Yeah, Philly, Philly laid down the hammer, man. And we'll see if they can keep it up. Um, obviously, no tieable for game three and four because of his vaccination status. That game will be on Wednesday. So, quick turnaround uh, there in the six. It'll be loud. Drake will be there. Maybe with T, T Swift. That would be crazy. They just did a, there was a picture of them together on Drake's Instagram. Nobody knows what it's about. The world, the internet is buzzing. Gossip blogs are buzzing. Um, but yeah, that'd be incredible if Taylor Swift was there. Um, that would just drive people up the wall. I, I'm kind of here for it, honestly. Um, and your guys like, all right, Charlie, settle down. Uh, but seriously, that'd be that'd be pretty crazy. But yeah, I'm not putting a ton of stock yet into Philly. Um, I I need to see it a little bit more. Um, and I'm not ready to just say that everything Philly had wrong with them in the regular season is suddenly fixed. I think the last thing I'll say about Philly, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Warriors and the Mavericks. The Philadelphia 76ers problem all season was the fact that they, could, they couldn't be sort of sped up. That if you ran them, they would quit because Harden would not play defense and Bede's not fast enough. And if you got him into transition, that was a real problem for them. The Raptors and the Sixers play at the slowest pace in the NBA. They play in among 
the last in the league. I think the Sixers are second last. I think the Raptors are third last. So because the Raptors play like the Sixers, this, it's to the Sixers' advantage because they're more talented. The Raptors need to speed up this game. The Raptors need to bring in a showtime element to them and run this rap, this Sixers team up and down the court. That is the only way they're going to win. But I think inherent the problem is they don't really have a quick point guard. Fred Van Vliet is kind of a chunkster. Like Fred Van Vliet's not a guy that can really run. I don't think Malachi Flynn will be your difference maker. I don't think you put in Malachi Flynn as your sort of point guard leader is going to work. That's that's not going to happen. So the fact is they kind of have a slow team, and that puts them at a disadvantage against the Sixers team. This is actually a bad matchup for the Raptors, which I don't think any of us would have thought at the start of this, but we really should have took the fact that they have no no sort of transition game into consideration when thinking about this matchup itself. Then we have the Golden State Warriors. They're up 20, about seven minutes left to go as I tape uh, the podcast here. Uh, the Warriors are kind of looking like the Warriors of old. I mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast when talking about Christian Yelich. But I, I really do wonder if the Warriors are a little more scary than the Phoenix Suns when it comes to the NBA Finals. I realize we are a long way away, but... When Mitch and I did sort of the, who are you scared of the most? We we obviously put the Suns higher, and we didn't really consider the Warriors. At that time, I think we we didn't even maybe put the Warriors as part of it, or we mentioned them kind of as, an, as a slight, like a just like, hey, maybe. But it seemed like the Warriors were just not going to get their shit together, and in fact, they actually did. And the crowds are loud, and... Everything sort of looks like what the Warriors were, you know, a few few years ago in 2015 and 2016, 2017. They look like that Warriors team again. And that would terrify me if I was a Phoenix Suns fan. Like, I, there's a lot of Curry, Chris Paul stuff. If you listen to Andrew Bogut podcast, I mentioned this a couple times in the podcast, so I'm probably repetitive. But Andrew Bogut talked about how Chris Paul wanted to, like, put Curry under his wing. Curry fucking hated it. So they do not like each other. Um, and the Suns, or the, I shouldn't say the Suns, the Warriors have had Chris Paul's number in the playoffs multiple times. And it, it would be a big hill for Chris Paul to climb. And that might that might matter more than winning an NBA Finals. Probably not, but you get what I'm saying. It's, it's definitely a challenge for him. But that was pre-getting to the Finals, so maybe that's a difference. But yes, I do think the Bucs would be all right against the Warriors, just considering they have no size. The Brooke-Lopez-Giannis combination would be good. But man, everybody would be in the bag for the Warriors. It would be nauseating. I'm sure I would hate Steph Curry, but I like game two. Which would be fun, because I love Steph Curry, and I love watching him ball. I like Draymond Green a lot. I think he's a perpetual asshole, but I, I just love who Draymond Green is. Like, I, I have the game on now, and I saw Jokic get kicked out of the game. By the way... Yoke, I hope everybody just feels great about their Jokic MVP. Uh, you know, I know it's a regular season award, but man, oh man, if you're a fucking MVP, you should be able to do something in the playoffs. And everybody called him NBA's Mike Trout, and dude is NBA's Mike Trout. He's just going to put up awesome numbers. He's a regular season player. He's nothing more than that. You're like, whoa, Jokic doesn't have his guys. Fuck that, man. At least have a pulse. Jokic doesn't even have a pulse in this series. He's a loser. Um, and I have no time for him. And I've just just decided I'm not going to really like Jokic. I, I, I'm impressed with what he does, but nah, fuck him. I hope he goes to the Bulls. I really do. My friend Fam, 
thinks that he's going to go to the Bulls because of his relationship with uh, the Bulls GM, AK. I can't pronounce the last name. Don't even. I'm not even going to try. But I'm very interested to see if that happens. I hope he does. I hope he tries to come into Giannis's division because we'll beat his ass every every fucking year. All right. Last thought on the Mavericks. I love Jalen Brunson. That's really only the thought that I have there. It's not really a Bucks tweet. It's just, or a Bucks fan reaction. But it's like I really like Jalen Brunson. I realize he's going to be a free agent at the next season. The Bucks can't sign him. They don't have money. But I would love to. Um, and I hope Jalen Brunson stays in the West. I do not want Jalen Brunson coming to the East. That guy is awesome. Like if I was LeBron. I would be like, Jalen Brunson has to be a Laker next year. Like, that's the guy. That's the kind of guy we want on the Lakers. Like, that's what LeBron should be looking for when it's like, how do we fix the Lakers? That's the type of guy that could fix the Lakers. Not saying just Jalen Brunson. Lakers have a lot to be fixed. But those are the type of guys you should be looking for if you're LeBron James. But he won't because that's not what LeBron does. He's never done it for his entire career. So how would I expect him to be any different this time around? All right, let's do a Chuck's Corner. Uh, we're going to do haircuts today. So I have, you've probably seen the reviews. If you're not following along on social, tapping the keg or tapping the keg sports to see the mop of hair that I have growing right now. Part of me should be proud that I'm, you know, 33, heading into 34, and I have a full head of hair, got luscious locks going. But they're a little long. I'll admit that. Um, they definitely need a cut. I think because I'm now working from home for the day job, and I don't have to see a bunch of people. I don't really feel like a vagabond. Like my beard's long too. I look like I sh- I'm just scruffy, disheveled. Maybe need a shower. I think someone called me out on that in a Vikings review where, he, or well, I was I was trolling Vikings fans, and some Viking fan was like, "You need a fucking shower." And I had like a similar look that I do now. Maybe even actually worse now. And there's just a kind of a thing of like laziness. I don't know, man. Like, I think part of it, too, is my stylist is really hard to, like, connect with. Like, I have to, like, schedule it out two or three weeks in fucking advance. And her times are all off. She doesn't work Fridays, um, which now is an inconvenience to me because I get done with work a little earlier. It's like, I I just need to probably find a new stylist. But that's a terrifying thought because... I, she's done my hair for I don't know how many years, probably like five or six, and now I'm just like going to jump ship and go somewhere else, or maybe it's just a, a temporary jumping of the ship because I'm like, I just need a haircut. I just need to get one on the books, and I've used uh, Groom, which they have a place in Shorewood. They have a place in the Third Ward, and they do a pretty good job. Um, they did at least for the beard trimming. I did beard trimming there. And I would, I'm just going to probably try a haircut there. It's a little more expensive than what my stylist charges. But at this point, I'm just kind of over it. And I just, I do need a haircut. Like I, I'm not like ignoring the fact that I, I need a haircut. I think it's just, there's nothing that is really motivating me besides my wife yelling at me to get a haircut. But when she yells at me to get a haircut, I just am like, it's kind of like motivation. Like I just kind of want to be, you know, rowdy and rebellious and be like, all right, no, I'm going to keep this hair. I'm just going to keep the luscious locks going. Because um, I, the thing is, the last thought in it, and I don't know if you guys care or, or don't, but it's like, at some point, it gets to a point where it's just like it, it just grows It goes higher and higher. It does not grow long. I wish it could grow long. If it went long, if I could do a little Aaron Rodgers thing, maybe I would. Maybe I'd grow it out for the Bucks playoffs. But I just, I don't know, man. It's, it, it's pretty rough at this point. And yeah, definitely in need of a cut. 
but the laziness of a cut has got there. I also think, too, part of it might be the fact that I have a few LBs on that I don't want to have on. And I think the hair... Actually, the hair makes it look worse, weirdly enough. Like, I, I do think if I shaved my face right now, I'd, I'd look terrible. I'd look like I have three chins. But I, I do I do believe that actually the long hair makes me look worse. It makes me kind of look like a teddy bear versus like an actual professional. And so I, I think that, yeah, it's a little sloppy of me right now to A, have the weight, but B, have the hair. And I'm trying on the weight. We'll see. It's, I mean, that's a... It's a whole other podcast. I could do a whole thing on just the, the struggle with weight loss. Stupid shit, man. It's not fun. Just never never gain weight really is, is my advice for you on that one. But we'll we'll figure it out, man. We'll keep growing. So, yeah, keep you updated on that. Um, I'll, I'll try to get better Chuck's Corners. That, that kind of stunk. I'll admit it. It wasn't that great. You know, I'm sure you guys are like, I don't really care about your haircut, man. But that's what Chuck's Corners is for. Sometimes you will like the personal shit. Um, I'll try to think of other topics to talk about. Oh, how did I not talk about the Pound Town guy? Okay, so really quick. I I promise I will go after this. A guy from Alaska had his house posted on Zillow. And on top of his bed, he had welcome to Pound Town. Now, that is a real man of genius. That is a guy who knows what the fuck is up. I have never been more impressed with something like that. I have no idea how that guy got his wife to commit to a welcome to Pound Town Sound. I have so many questions. Question number one, do not have family who live close? Because there's no way that you could have a welcome to Pound Town shirt or shirt uh, sign and your parents just come in your house. Like, they see it above your bed. They know what Pound Town is. Like, your parents aren't dumb. That They made you. Like, they understand. You're clapping cheeks in there if you're saying welcome to Pound Town. Like, I mean, how? so you must not have parents there. Or they understand that it's, I believe it's from the office is, is where that, that generates from. Like, most memes in our society, people who are like, oh, I love the office. And you have an office quote in your fucking dating profile and you think you're unique. Uh, you're not, uh, for the record. I haven't seen a dating profile in like seven years, but I, I was really cringy. It was really popular at the time when I was single. So, like, I, I guess that's that's okay. So maybe that makes it better. I, I feel like if you had welcomed the pound town in your basement or something, even that would be a little bit weird because it's like, oh, is this where you jerk off? Is this where you're just shooting ropes? You know, should we do like a Room Raiders blacklight on there? I don't know if there is a place where a, a pound town sign is okay. Maybe your kitchen? Because if that's like, oh, maybe you're just pounding meat, you know? You know, you're not being the Iron Chef of Pound and Vaj, so the super bad. But like, so then it's like, oh, you're pounding meat. Oh, I get it. You're, you know, pound town. Maybe you're big, like, veal cutlet person or like chicken parm or something like that. Um, or you could have it in your garage. That's probably the other place where it's, you could have it there because it's a, your garage, pound town. You're doing hammers and shit like that. That's another place where a pound town sign would be applicable. So if you're thinking about getting your own welcome to pound town sign, it's the kitchen or the garage, and that's it. I don't know if you can put it anywhere else. Uh, because anywhere else, you put it in any other room, everyone's like, oh, that's your jack-off room. And then if you put it in your bedroom, it's like, oh, that's where you're clapping cheeks with your wife. I don't know, man. 
just one thought. I saved Chuck's corner with this pound town take. Um, so credit to me. The haircut was bad. I might cut that entire thing. I might. You guys will be like, "What was the haircut thing? What was he talking about?" I don't know, but I mentioned it in the open, so I'm gonna have to live with it. It was dumb. It was way too narcissistic of me. That's like someone who's like at Coachella, like my Coachella pictures were bad because I didn't have a haircut. Uh, whatever. All right, I gotta go. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.